0: You're listening to audio from Plank Harvest Church, located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org. With the cough drop there before we get going there. Pre-treat, you yeah. know, preventive maintenance. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the oak pollen is finally going there. Now we'll be. Now we'll all be coughing. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, that, that first hymn, we just talked about that a couple weeks ago, that this is the day that the Lord has made. And that's a particular day. We, we sing that about our days in church, and these are good days that we're in church together. But that was a particular day. That was the day of the triumphal entry. That's from Psalm 118 and 24, where Jesus is coming in, and that was that day. This is that day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in us that he came into Jerusalem and he let him say, Hosanna, Lord, save. And then they took him and killed him for our sacrifice, a sacrifice for us as much as for those people in that day. And that was a good day. It was a bad day, but it was a good day. Psalm 12 is what I want to start with reading because it has something to do <clears throat> with what I'm going to tell you about. It says there, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, with our tongues we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I'll set him in the safety for which he yearns. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, you shall keep them, O Lord, you shall preserve them with this generation forever, the wicked prowl on every side, when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. I wanted to tell you of something that happened there, and we'll focus on just the first verse and the last, this is not the message, this is the pre-message, kind of like the, the pre-treatment, but uh, we're going to go back to First Peter where we were for so long and we didn't get it finished, so... And we took those couple weeks off where we talked about the triumphal entry and that time leading up to the resurrection and so on. But uh, I want to talk to you about the work that Pastor Chibui is doing in Zambia right now. And uh, he asked for some additional funds a couple weeks ago, and, and he went on a little road trip there out to the wilderness about six hours, which is probably only maybe 100 to 150 miles, but the roads are absolutely terrible there. And um, so he went out to the rural areas, and they had a they had a big... Uh, conference, so does they call things different than we would, but just what they do is they get the people live very far apart out there. It's kind of it's kind of like you see on TV, brushy, wild animals, and then they got the mud huts with the little. They got that kind of roof right. That that right there is Zambia right there. That little mud round that ends of the earth picture, that's from Zambia. Anyway, they got the round with the thatch roof or whatever, and the people kind of live by. Gr- little bit bigger family groups in these and one of those would be considered a village but it's usually like a um a father and and a couple generations of people that live in that anyhow so they'll put the word out beforehand and these people will travel on foot generally as much as 30 to 40 miles to come together to have a a service and it's pretty rare that they do that anyway like 800 people accepted christ in this service that they had in these services that they had out there in the wilderness he said the problem was he said the people were laughably starving. They used different words than we would use, but he said it was pathetic how hungry they were, not for the gospel, for the gospel, but for food. And he said that all these people were saved and I said, "Well," he said, "but I wanted to talk to you about this, about going back as quickly as possible because they had one pastor and he didn't have a Bible." So he was a save, he was a pastor only that he was saved prior to them coming out there and kind of organizing the people. And, um, and he said it was hard for the people. They were really, like, irritable almost because they were so hungry. And it's in between the season of the, of the mango and the corn or whatever. They kind of live on those two seasons. And literally, as soon as the mango is a little green thing this big, they start eating it. And they just rake the skin off, off the seed there. And then, I mean, they eat it all the way until it's ripe. And that's kind of their year-round food there in the, in the wilder areas. And then when the corn comes in, and um, then they, they live off corn as long as that holds up. You know, they don't eat a lot of meat. They do eat some goats and things like that. Anyway, to make a long story long, they, uh, they, um, he's wanting to go back. He's willing to go, um, I'm saying like a $1,000. And I know we've already given for, for the month for him. But I, I just, I'm sure you guys will be, I pray you are in agreement to go ahead and send him back with that. And he's going to buy, about $400 will buy. The rest, $600 will be fuel and, and whatever. Fuel is very expensive there and um, and a place to stay and so on when he gets out there. But the rest will go into food. And they just eat. It's kind of a, we used to call it cornmeal mush growing up. We were in Texas. Mom would make it occasionally, thankfully not too often. But it's kind of what they, they live on out there. And it's just like a real fine ground-up cornmeal, like white cornmeal. And then they boil it. And they got it in big 100-pound sacks. And they eat it all the time, about one meal a day of that. And so, it's, yeah, maybe. But they they just make it in a big bowl. They just call it meal. Yeah, maybe they do. And they just take it out there with their hand, and it's just like a little ball. It has, like, no flavor, and it just keeps you alive. And so, when we pay for widow and orphan food for him once a month, that's what he buys. He buys a big, big 100-pound bags of that, and that's what the widows get for their month um, for food. So, uh, anyway... I just want you to see a parallel in this psalm for just a second. What's going on in Africa? Um, if you are for that, you can come talk to me afterwards. If you want to give towards that, you can. We have money in the account that we can do that with. Um, if you're against it, you can come talk to me afterwards and, and give me your input on that as well. I'm not. Um, I'm just telling you that's what I think we should do. And does anybody have a? to raise their hand and stand up and give a testimony as why we shouldn't feed the starving people? You can. <laughs> No, I don't want to put, seriously, I don't want to put negative pressure on you. People have different ideas about things, and you truly feel free to come talk to me afterwards. But if there's not a big negative uh, view on that, I think we should go ahead and send some more money. The main reason is to go out and train a pastor. It's not good to have people accept Christ. It's very dangerous in, in South America as well. And you go and you lead a bunch of people to Christ and you leave. And what happens is the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses will swoop in there just like that and they'll grab those people and they don't really know any better. They don't really have the gospel well. They have the gospel, but they don't have anything with it. And so they're very susceptible to false teaching and things like that. So it's good to get pastors developed as quickly as possible and, and put those more regionally um, where they can you know teach the people in those things and things like that. But what it says here in that psalm about the godly man ceases. The godly help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. The faithful disappear from among the sons of men. We're seeing that in our culture. And some of the things that's happening in our country overflows into other countries more than you realize, particularly our money. Um, So the, I don't know what you know about the IMF and all that, but the dollar has been the base money for the whole world and everything has to transition through the dollar. And what they're fixing to do is change that where no longer the dollar will be the monetary standard of the world. And when that happens, it's really going to hammer us in the United States. However, overseas right now, all their money is tied to the U.S. dollar. When the U.S. dollar fluctuates, their money fluctuates as well. And our dollar's buying power has gone way down because the godly man ceases and because wicked men are in charge of the dollar. And so they're driving it into the ground. They said in 1973, if you took 1973's dollar, and compared to the, today, the buying power of today's dollar is about 13 cents compared to 1973. So if you wonder why your groceries cost so much, that's why, and everything else. Well, it's affecting the people in South America, Africa, India, and all these other countries that are tied also to the dollar. And I told you already about in Peru there how Pastor Elias, a year ago or so, eight pieces of bread for that 25 cents. And then it went to five pieces about six months ago. Now it's two pieces. So that's the basing of the money, the valuing of the money. It doesn't have any buying power. And so uh, it's very, you know, wicked men have taken money that should have been spent for food or poverty or whatever it's supposed to be spent for, and they've spent it on everything from the snail darter to transgender studies or whatever. And they got all these things that they're sending money to that have nothing to do with uh, the, uh, the proper use of government and, and finance and so on. And so it's really hammered the people at the lowest poverty levels. They were already skinny, and now they're skinnier, and there's no food to buy. That, one thing Elias told me recently, it was like, even if we had money, there's no food to buy. And that's a, that's a bad situation. So I'm not trying to give you the doomsday report, um, but part of the encouragement, if I could give you this, it says, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. But there's still godly men. And they need to be going and not ceasing it. They need to be doing. And when the godly men are all quiet, then the wicked men get to do whatever they want. And part of the problem is for a long, many generations, the godly men have been working hard and doing their thing. And they've not been paying attention to what the wicked men have been doing. And it's causing, it's truly causing worldwide harm. And it's kind of hard to imagine that the United States would have that much influence. But the United States has been one of the wealthiest countries, that, if not the wealthiest, that has ever existed and it has great influence throughout the entire world. And so when the United States um, collapses financially, it's going to have an economic effect on the entire world. And so knowing that, um, as a godly man, we need to be, godly woman, we need to be speaking up and be obedient in caring for the afflicted and the oppressed. And, and also, you know, being aware... Uh, locally, and so on, and, and what your government officials are doing, and write them letters and call them and, and whatever, harass them, because once things are in place, it's really hard to go backwards. So I want to go to 1 Peter, back to 1 Peter, we're going to be in chapter 2, and the reason is, is because the days of Zambia, the days of Venezuela, if you've been watching that, the days of South America, are the same days that men have always existed in, pr- almost throughout the whole world except for our country. We've been very blessed in our country with great wealth and abundance and things like that. Not that we didn't work for it or not that we didn't do particular things that helped us to be there, but primarily because our focus was on God up until about 70, 80 years ago. So with God leading the blessings, just like with the Jewish people, and then we, took the benefit, we got the benefit of it where we stayed in houses we didn't build and we, we ate crops that we didn't plant and we, we had the fruit of trees that we didn't plant. And the, and the people were driven out of the land before us. We didn't have to do it. In our generation in particular, our parents, our grandparents, and none of us fought Indians. None of us had to go out west, you know, and chase the buffalo and all that stuff. It was all done for us. And it's made us very forgetful of God and his goodness towards us. But what do godly men do in an era, in a time where the world or the culture is corrupt? And that's what First Peter addresses, is how do believers in the most high God, how do they act in a culture that's completely corrupt. If you don't believe our culture is completely corrupt, uh, watch the news. Um, look in the local paper. Look in the. Uh, look at whatever. I mean, when we take. I read that in Proverbs this morning about the unequal measure. It says the unequal measure and the unfair scale is an abomination to the Lord. There's not a lot of things God says He hates. He says He hates liars. He hates divorce. But He calls this an abomination. That's interesting that he calls an unequal measure an abomination. He does not want, he wants us to trill, to deal rightly with one another, correctly, faithfully. So can we find hope in a book like 1 Peter? And I believe we can. Peter, James, the epistles, all those were written to people that lived in completely corrupt cultures, yet they had to be God-fearing, they had to be God-following people, regardless of what the culture was doing around them. So uh, our man Peter, he begs us to live as godly men and women, with a true pastor-shepherd um, of the flock, Peter was to these. Now, some of these people are receiving these letters. It's not like they're with Peter. Peter's sending a letter to them. It says where they are, uh, to the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. They're all over the place, in Turkey, and in Europe, and in the Mediterranean area going to the south there. They're all in those areas all around. So they're all reading this letter, different people, different cultures, different society. Same rules apply for the believer. The believer in Christ, this is how he lives in a world that's completely corrupt. But the shepherd of the flock, he kind of loses sleep over the welfare of his people. He's keenly aware of the dangers of drifting, backsliding, lostness, and carnality. And he spends sleepless nights in prayer and concern for his children, for they're putting themselves in harm's way by distancing, distancing themselves from God. The problem with many believers is they get saved and they never complete the, the commitment that Christ has given to them. All these things. He tells us there, we, we looked at it in Matthew. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age he tells us what to do but many believers take those things and we put them on the shelf over here that would be good for missionary bob in zimbabwe to do and i'll stay here i'll raise my family in a godly way i'll take my kids to church but the reality is he tells us what to do this is the will of god for you in praying for one another and serving for one another and going and making disciples and doing these other things and when we're not doing those things we can be assured that we're not being obedient to the god who called us he saved us he loves us and he gives us an assignment here do these things do these things until i return that other one to jerusalem judea samaria the ends of the earth there in acts 1 8 to jerusalem that's the hometown to judea that's the that's the region to samaria that's the enemy and to the ends of the earth everywhere else you're supposed to go to those places exist in those places go make disciples as you're going anyway you're already at the store make disciples you're already in jerusalem sometimes you go to judea we'll call that nashville sometimes you go to samaria we'll call that alabama and then the ends of the earth uh is everywhere else that was a man is not here to hear that good shot right there but um alabama is the devil in case you don't know if you're from alabama sorry um but uh truly uh God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, even those in Alabama. So I pray that they would find conviction of spirit and become good people down there. However, that aside, he tells us what to do as believers, how to act, how to respond, and what we're supposed to be doing. And we, like the rest of the world, we get trapped in these things of, you know, backsliding, going back to the old way, and in confusing the cultures of a whole, as trying to fit into the culture, or or try not to stand out too bad in the culture. And then that can lead to carnality where we begin to act like the culture. First we blend in and then we act like. And when that happens, the influence of believers, it has no power anymore. And I heard of a, a public official, I pray it's not true, but I, I think it is. But that he's, you know, I mean, he was pretty, he's pretty conservative regionally here. And then it said, well, he's, he's, he's done some things that are corrupt. and Now he's having an affair with this girl. And when those things happen... You proclaim yourself a righteous man, a Christian man, or a, or, a, or whatever, especially in politics. And then you expose yourself by having an affair with a woman that's not your wife. You've lost all credibility because you've lost your character. And now you can have no influence. You can't say, that's wrong. This is not right. We need to go this direction. He has no credibility. He has has no, no truth to him. But it says, as believers, Colossians 3.12, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness long-suffering forgiving one another so peter reminds us that we got to be careful in that verse 11 first peter 2 verse 11 it says beloved i beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the gentiles uh, the first thing is the longer you walk in a new country where ambassadors of christ in this country we call the United States of America, we're citizens of the United States of America. We've got dual citizenship because we're ambassadors from the heavenly kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus says. First message he gives. He says, you are in this kingdom of heaven called by Christ. If you're called by Christ, if you are his, if you're a child of the Most High God, that means you're a resident alien of the United States of America but you're an actual blood-bought citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So I want you to exist with the kingdom rules that heaven requires on the earth as an ambassador, as a witness, just like the ambassador for, you name the place, China. we got a Chinese ambassador in the United States. When you go onto the Chinese embassy site and you walk around that place, guess what you're eating? You're eating Chinese food. Guess how you're dressing, like a Chinese person. Guess how you're, um, you know, uh, Speaking, you're speaking Chinese because you're on their land in another country. We're in a country that is, it is where we know, it's what we know, it's where we grew up, and we're satisfied and comfortable in it. However, we ain't from here. We are kingdom people that exist here, and we are to be ambassadors of the kingdom. We should act like the kingdom uh, calls us to act. We should dress like the kingdom calls us to dress. We should speak as the kingdom calls us to speak. We should live. And think and do as the kingdom, our our master, our king, tells us to do. But when we don't, if we live in a new country long enough, it becomes this higher risk that you begin to act like your countrymen, even though you're a resident alien. You might not be an illegal alien, but you're a resident alien. You ain't from here. We say, you know, when that one saying it says southern by birth, no, I don't know what to say. American by birth, Southern by the grace of God. Amen. Except your <laughs> kingdom by new birth and Southern by the grace of God. <laughs> you know, get, get your, you got to get your perspective right. Because these things have confused us living in this country so long. And they tell us, well, this is the right way to think. If you're an American, you should think this way. And so we take what it is to be an American and we place it higher than what it means to be a believer in the Most High God. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Because in time, it makes you distant from the Most High God, the Father who loves you, your Father. You get distant from Him trying to fit in with the neighborhood kids. So here's where Peter really shines in this 1 Peter 2. Let me read that from 11 to 25. It's not overly long. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable amongst the gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they observe glorify god in the day of visitation therefore submit yourselves to the every ordinance of man for the lord's sake whether to the king is supreme or to governors as as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of fool, of foolish men. As free, at not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffer, uh, suffering wrongdoing, for what credit is it, if when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return, and when he suffered, did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's kind of interesting. I was reading back through this this morning. It's always, you know, the more times you read the Bible, then you'll catch something different each time. But if you went to verse 12, you'll see a word there. It says, by your good works. If you circle good there, you could find about three other places there that that good is produced. It's in verse 14 to governors, for the praise of those who do good, verse 15, for this is the will of God, by doing good, and then last in 20, for what credit is it when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer for it, this is commendable before God, good, 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 and good we get that word good from the word God when it says go and do good it's go and do God it's an English word that was a transliteration from the word God it's an old timey word but it's really interesting he says by your God works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation for the praise of those who do God for this is the will of God that by doing God you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men and lastly it says but when you do God and suffer if you take it patiently this is commendable before God it's. It gives it a little bit more emphasis on being good. To be good, we, we tell our children, you know, be good as opposed to being bad. But we don't, they don't really understand that what we're asking them to be, you're created in the image of God, now act like God. Jesus said, imitate me. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Grow in the mind of Christ. So eventually, as your mind, as you're processing more uh, Bible doctrine, for lack of a better word, as you're studying the word, as you're growing in grace, you become more godly as you do more goodly. And so the more developed you are in doing good and doing God, the more obvious it will be to those who are not of God. They will be able to identify you as a separate Uh, style of person than the person of the world the secular person so generally we're really good at doing godly with christian brothers in general we're on our best behavior except for mr alva and i will not tell that story today however when you have (laughs) uh you know we're more careful with our language we're more careful with our actions we're more careful with our you know we're around the christian brothers because we don't want to you're thinking about aren't you cindy he's a bad boy Uh, We're just more careful around our Christian brothers and sisters than we are, say, our family. When it's just our family, all kind of terrible things come out of our lips. But then Mr. Minister comes by, and then the minister pulls up and he's like, Hey, get the good silverware out, you know, or you know, whatever. You know, we, we put on our best behavior amongst people that we consider godly. But the reality is, is the believer should be in this manner all the time, and not just when uh, the Christian brotherhood is around. Um, there's a reason that I'm not allowed to go to Walmart and and uh, what's the other one, Chick Fil A now, because I have trouble being godly there. Man, those people get on my nerves. <laughs> but we should be this godly witness amongst the Gentiles, having your conduct, verse 12, honorable. Among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your God works, which they observe, glorify God in a day of visitation. There's going to be a day when they're watching you get shamed by the culture, mocked by the, the TV shows, um, demeaned, um, or maybe persecuted in the future in a more violent way like happens overseas. I remember a lady that was a minister in um, Russia And the Russians came in, and they kept, you know, taking them whenever they'd have a prayer meeting. They'd break up the prayer meeting. And they would always come in and beat them before they'd haul them to the thing. And then she was in prison, and the Russians were like, man, you guys are always so nice to us. We come in there and beat you, and you always say, you know, I forgive you. I love you. um, The Lord forgives you. Um, And he goes, how do you keep doing that? And eventually this one guard was saved because of that. And he would refuse to beat the people anymore when he went in to arrest them because they were always about doing good. And eventually the Gentile is saved by the work of the believer. When you become a believer, though you may be a Gentile um, to start with, the Gentile word here is a bit of a slight, it's like a pagan. And though you were once pagans and now you are not as a believer, you need to live and look differently than all those around you that people may see you as godly. Not just a living. I don't believe in that lifestyle evangelism as just a means of, of evangelism. There's got to be words spoken as well. Go and do God. Speak the word in spirit and in truth. Do both. Go make disciples. You can't make disciples without teaching them because that's what the next thing is. Go make disciples. Baptizing, teaching them everything I commanded you. So you got to do all those things. But Gentiles can be received into the kingdom by observing your good works especially when you're under persecution um are uh it's something that's happening here by the way in this little picture and it'd be like me and and mark up here um he's i wouldn't say he's the only jewish guy i know but he was the only guy i know that grew up that way locally and so if i go to someone's house me and mark they don't look at mark and say that's a messianic jew right there and they look at me and they say well that's a german american christian they just see two people bringing the gospel to them. What what Paul, what Peter's saying right here is the same thing, because we got Jews and we got gen, once Gentiles. We got once Jews and once Gentiles coming together now believers in Christ, and they're the ones with this ministry. And Peter's saying both of you, or as they say here, both yuns, both yuns, <laughs> act in this godly manner. Neither one of you are your old man. Now you are new men. The old man has passed away. The new man is raised to walk in newness of life. And he should act in a new way. And he should act in a godly way. Therefore, uh, it, it's what he was pointing out, that, that a lost person, he doesn't identify um, you as a saved person, as anything other than different. Uh, he doesn't understand if you're a Jew or a Mormon or a Methodist, or a, a, what would you call yourself, a Christian, or a Baptist. He doesn't identify that. All he knows is you're different than he is. And he couldn't really put his finger on it. And that's what Peter's saying. A Christian, a believer in the Most High God, should look differently, and it should be identifiable by those that are unsaved. You got me? Give me the blank stare there. But you should be, should be something different about you. Not just that you're more modestly dressed, but just the way you speak, the way you respond to negative things, the way you act, the way you're at rest in stressful situations. All those things should lead them to say, this is not like the people that I associate with, a lost person. So Peter's saying Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. As believers in the Most High God, um, Gentiles should be able to observe you when you speak against you when they speak against you as evildoers by your good works which they observe they will glorify God in the day of visitation in time by your continued God works they will receive Christ and be saved not all but some and it's always amazing to me uh, my favorite was uh, Hansel McDonald this guy we knew that was named Skip Bugby. he was a sniper Korea era sniper and, and a stone killer and when he got out he moved to to detroit there and and mcdonald was from mississippi he moved up there to work in the car factories and um, anyway he would go and do visitation he goes to bugby's house and bugby gives him such a rough time <laughs> runs him out and mac and the other guy get in the car and he goes man that guy's never going to get saved and by the time i know skip 20 years later he's a he was a deacon at central kindest gentlest nicest man could only speak about god and his goodness to him so it doesn't matter what your heart is the lord can break it a soft answer turneth away wrath and i guess just speaking to him over time and eventually they were able to draw him to christ so eventually they glorify god in the day of visitation so the true believer in christ he's observant of the laws of government and this is a tricky point and i'm i'm not that good at this i will say It says in verse 13, it says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors, to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is very difficult because we see things in our culture that I I see things in my culture. I will make it very personal. I know you're like me in many ways. In this, I'm sure in your spirit, you're frustrated when you see terrible laws passed, you know, uh, the, the right to kill babies or whatever, whatever the thing is in that day. And you're like completely frustrated. And as long as what the man says, it says that the government doesn't wield the sword in vain. That means they can behead you if they want to. Um, as much as is possible, I want to be obedient to the law. When the law contradicts the word of God, I have to obey God rather than men. And that's all I can tell you. And each of us is going to have to make those decisions someday when they make us choose between one or the other. And we're going to have to say, I must obey God rather than men. And And they throw you in a jug or whatever they do to you. But until that day, we need to be obedient to our, and we need to be praying. Whether you like the president or not, you need to be praying for our president because the laws that he signs affect you. You need to be praying for your Congress people because the laws that they make affect you. You need to be speaking to our local politicians because the laws that they make affect you. As much as is possible, the system of government we have, we have the ability to address those things and speak to them openly, sort of, as long as you're not too big, um, do that. But ultimately, remember that I'm in submission to them until they go in contrast, uh, contrast to in direct opposition to the Word of God or what God tells me to do. You got that? Use that how you will. Be bold in speaking the truth to government people in this time while we still can. However, we still have to obey the law. I was identified as a law breaker this morning when I got stopped right here on the way to church over here. I had to run back home and, and get Renetta something. And I got stopped right there in front of Bobby Anderson's house. And, uh, but I was let go for good behavior. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, you're going to have to slow it down. God bless you, sir. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's always embarrassing to get uh, pulled over before church because you know, somebody you know is going to know. And the first thing Bobby comes in, she's like, was that you pulled over? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. That was me. They let me go. Obey the law. Don't be like me. Obey the law as best as you can. Um, but this is a lot more than obeying the speed limit. It really is. Or obeying hunting laws. Or anything. It's a lot more than that. It's as much as is possible to live at peace with the government. The Bible says that the man that is, does well with his work will stand before kings and not be ashamed. Those men that are capable with their hands, with craftsmanship or construction or plumbing or whatever the thing is, artistry music they stand before kings because they do what they do and they do it well they do it as unto the lord those guys will always have recognition the jews in world war ii that were very capable watchmakers and and different kind of tool makers some of those guys escaped the penalty of death there uh, because of their capability so uh, something to consider there anyway verse 15 for this is the will of god that by doing good you may be able to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free Yet not using the liberty for vice, but as bond servants of God, I'm a slave to God. D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos. That's the Greek word for slave. That's what you are. You are a slave to the will of God. Whatever God tells me to do, it's the Forrest Gump principle that we talk about all the time. What do you want me to do? Do whatever you tell me to do. You're a genius, Gump. Do whatever it is, believer, that the book tells you to do, and you're going to be okay. And by doing that, it says, those who do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, verse 15, by doing God, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. It's something about being truthful when everything else is lies. We're in a culture with a lot of lying dirty dogs out there. And a man who speaks the truth is not liked. Be truthful regardless of what the men around you say. And in that, it puts to silence the ignorance of foolish men. They can say what they want. They can say what they want about you name the thing, and you'll be, be a truth teller. Um, Laneine did a great job Friday night at the, a rescue mission, teaching on the love of God, and how because of God's love for us, he could have, in turn, Lenin could have a love and obedience for God. And part of that obedience was answering the call of evangelism as individual people even in nicaragua so nicaragua has been communist for a long time if you remember the reagan deal the iran contra scandal that had stuff to do with nicaragua and Lenin was talking about and then daniel ortega if you recall that daniel ortega is still in control of nicaragua still crushing the people got to be very careful as a church member you got to slope in sneak out trying to trying to get together to worship god and somehow Lenin has been able to develop a church there he'll be here tonight by the way He's going to play some music for us and, and teach tonight a little bit. But um, if you want to see him, he'll be here for the next couple weeks. So, um, But the work that he's accomplished in a communist country with oppression is to be commended. There's many people in the United States. We've got all the freedom in the world to go tell other people the gospel. We don't say anything. And here this guy is being completely oppressed by the government, and he's got a church that's growing. Well, he say 20-something families in his little fellowship there. Anyway. It was just so good to his desire to see men saved there. And he puts to silence those around him that are trying to hinder his work of the gospel. It was just really interesting. Another story he told us that was really good was he said about, um, it goes back to that one about uh, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. His wife was, they had a meal the day. It was their daily meal and it was like a ramen noodles, those little dry ramen noodles packs. So he's got three sons and then his wife and himself. And so he went to work without eating because they didn't have enough food. So he left that pack of the noodles for her to make a soup out of for her and the boys and that was going to be their meal for the day. While she's eating the soup, while she's fixing to eat, she gets her portion, so a fourth and while she gets her portion she clearly hears the Lord's voice and he says, you need to take your portion to your neighbor. And she's like, that was not from God. <laughs> and then she's like picking her spoon up and she hears it again. And you take it up to her neighbor. So she takes the bowl. She goes to the neighbor's house, the nearest neighbor, knocks on the door. And the lady peers around the door and she says, the Lord told me I'm supposed to bring you this food. And the lady's like, take. close the door in her face. Anyway, um, and he talked about how the Lord blessed them the next day. And a, a lady from their church had been at the grocery store shopping And and the Lord had told her to buy two sets of everything and to take one set over to Leneen and his family. So a lot of times we miss the voice of God, but God is not unaware of the good that we do, Hebrews 6.10. He's not unaware. He recognizes the things of goodness that we do, and it says, and will do. He knows your heart. He knows your spirit. He's going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. Do what you know is right, and the Lord will bless it. So the Lord's desire for the reconciliation of man is demonstrated by him sending Christ that we could have a relationship with God the Father. That is his, that's what he did. He did it so that we can locate the Father. One thing Lennon did, um, I love you Emily, wherever you're at there. But it's this song, The Blessing. We've sang it here before. But at the end of, of the song it says, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. Yeah, sort of. I know it's a song, and they got to shorten it to make it work, right? But uh, God's not on your side. You get on God's side, and then you're on the right side. If I can exp- I don't know how else to explain that to you. I always say, well, God's on my side. God's got my back. God is my co-pilot. God's the pilot. You get in his plane. God is on, he is the side. Remember when the man was standing there with the flaming sword in front of um, Joshua? And Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And he said, I am the, 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 what does he say? The angel of the Lord's army. And Joshua's like, okay, I'm getting on your side. You know, he is the side. You don't, you don't call God over to your side. You go to his side, and then he can be for you. When you're with him, he is for you. I'm going to tell you that with the prodigal son, the father never went to the pig pen to pick the prodigal up. He stayed in his kingdom. The prodigal went away. The prodigal, in order to find the father, had to come back to his kingdom. The father ran to him once he was in the kingdom. But the father does not go to the pigsty and be on your side. you got to be on his side. If you're on his side, if you're in his shadow, all is well. And I think we miss that a lot of times. We say, God's on my side. We get ourselves in a pig pen. And we cry out to God and say, God, why aren't you over here pulling me out of the pig pen? He's like, dummy, I don't, I don't hang out in the pig pen. You do. Get out of the pig pen. Come over to my side and everything will be fine. I know, that would make a really long song if you had to say all that. I'm just telling you. <laughs> we, we, we do that sometimes, make, make uh, shorten things. But it, it, he made a way for us, Messiah made a way for us to be on God's side. Verse 18 be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the heart, For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. The thing that we tend to do is we tend to go and do without checking in with the boss first. And then we go there and we begin to do and we get burned out or we get tired or whatever happens. Or we are like, these people are not receiving the help that I'm trying to give them. Um, and, And we say, well, whatever we say, but you went there on your own accord. And then we wonder why God's not with us in the work that we're doing. We never asked him. Lord do you think I should go feed these people I like Mark Underwood's trick this lady asking for money at the Walmart it it happens all the time you know you're at Walmart some hooligan comes up hey man could you give me 20 bucks for gas water and so Mark goes it was a lady you gotta know Mark to love him and he goes well hang on a second let me pray and see if I'm supposed to give you any money and and the girl's there and he goes Lord this girl's asking for money I wish you would reveal to me if she's going to use it for drugs or alcohol or something nefarious (laughs) Am I supposed to give this girl money? I will wait for your answer, Lord. He said that girl was real nervous, you know, and then then afterwards, he said, well, the Lord told me that you're most likely going to use this money for no good, and he told me I shouldn't give it to you, but because I'm a man and I have pity on you, I'm going to give you a little money, and he said she was like ashamed, and she walked back to her car, and they drove off, you know, but uh, that's good, man. Get God in on the plan. Ask him if that's what you're supposed to be doing. The reason people get burned out in ministry oftentimes, they never ask God if it's his plan for this ministry for them, but they just get engaged. It is good to engage in things to see if that's your, if that's kind of your gift or your ministry, but it's not good to go ahead of God and then expect him to follow. He doesn't follow you. We follow him. So the father, like I said about the pig pen, he doesn't run to the pig pen to rescue you. If you get yourself in the pig pen, stop and go back to the father that's a good way to start so it's the duty of men believers it says to follow in the footsteps of Christ for to this you are called verse 21 because Christ suffered for us Christ suffered because he did what the father told him to do he said walk this way go that direction pray like this You know, be in the garden go to the cross and he did those things as the father directed his steps and it says for us leaving us an example of what Christ did, that you should follow his steps. Walk in his footprints. It's, it's very difficult. It's been difficult for me in this life to walk in his footprints. The, the two worst places to exercise is in heavy sand, which they like to do that to us back in the day, and march us up and down the beach in like the heavy sand, not on the ocean right there on the edge where it's all hard and it's easy to walk, but up in the deep sand or in deep snow. We did cold weather training. That was a nightmare. And so the best place to walk in deep snow or heavy stand is in the footprints of the guy in front of you. Don't be trying to make your own steps. It's the same picture of Christ. He's making the steps. But we he's making the path. And we, we like run around in front of him and start going and doing our thing. And we end up confused and lost. And we're like, why don't you hear my prayers? Why don't you hear me when I call? I'm calling? like, man, you got to get within shouting distance if you want him to hear you. At least get near where his presence is. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. I was thinking about that. You know, if you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, every time Pilgrim gets off the path, he gets in the castle of despair. He ends up caught in the snare of the, well, I don't remember the snare guy, but whoever the snare guy was, it snares him up. And in the snare, they get him caught in this trap, and they go start whipping him. He's inside the net, like you see in the cartoons where the guy walks across the net and snatches him up. And the guy goes over there and starts whipping him with a stick. And that's what happens. You get off the path. You get out from behind the shadow of the Almighty. I'm um, from underneath his wing. And you're, you're going to be in for the licks that the evil one gives you, whatever that is. It's not that you're outside of his control, the Lord's control. It's not that you're outside of his care. But you have willfully put yourself there, and there's going to be some licks to be took. Um, verse 24 and 25. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having... Uh, having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you are like sheep going astray but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls there it says you are doing your own thing but when you recognize that you were off the beaten path you got back to the shepherd the overseer of your souls he's the one that keeps your soul your soul has such great value and we I I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But somehow the evil one wants it, and somehow the father wants it. And it lasts forever. It has great value. It has a place in the supernatural realm of whatever it is God is doing in his kingdom, your soul. And it would be best if you kept your soul very close to the overseer thereof. Otherwise, it belongs to the evil one. If you want to walk in the ways of the world, then you're going to be at the mercy of of the prince of the power of the air. But if you want to walk in the way of Christ, then you'll be very safe. I was listening to a little video, and this man was talking about, he was trying to understand the love of the Father for him, and he had been at this conference or something, and he had promised his son that they would go fishing or something or go to this lake. Well, by the time they got back to the cabin that night where they were staying, it was already dark and pretty late. And the kid, like kids do, reminded him, Dad, you said we were going to the lake. And so the dad's like, all right, he's already tired, you know. And it was dark, no moon kind of thing, forest, and it goes down to a lake. And the, and the boy just takes off. He's not afraid of anything. The dad, he's tripping and falling and wandering through the bush, you know, trying to get down there. And then um, eventually uh, the boy kind of gets so far ahead of his dad, and the dad's kind of stumbling along with a flashlight trying to find his way, you know. And the kid's very free and running down there. Um, but eventually the kid gets so far ahead of his father he starts to cry, Dad. Where are you? You know, I'm lost. I'm afraid. You know, he got away from his father. He was very confident in the dark in the woods with his father. He got away from the father. He lost his confidence. He lost his boldness. He lost his bravery, and now he was pitiful and he's crying and asking for his dad to rescue him. And the poor dad's limping his way down there trying to find the kid in the dark. You know, it's the same picture. It's the same picture. It's what we do. I wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home, never more to roam. Just stay at home. Like a man who wanders from his wife is a bird who wanders from his nest. The one that wanders away from his home, trying to make his own way. He loses contact with the people who love him the most. And he's doing his thing out there in the world. And he loses the thing most important. The bird that leaves its nest, its eggs are at the mercy of the blue jay and the crow that comes over and pecks them open. The man does the same thing. He leaves his children to the mercy of the world, his wife to the mercy of the world. It's very dangerous. When we leave our father, we know who he is. If you don't, I can tell you. I'd be glad to talk to you after the service today. We know who our father is. We get so far from him, we can't hear his voice anymore. We got so much going on, busyness and so on. We can't hear his voice anymore. And it says right here, you are like sheep going astray. And I pray that now you've returned to your shepherd and overseer, that you would return to him and that he could care for you in the way that he cares for you. Even Pilgrim, when he came back to the Father, the one time the angel made him lay down on the road and they gave him some stripes and he thanked the angel for beating him. He was a different man than I. Thank you for whipping me. There is some chastisement to be paid sometimes when we run away from God. But the place of protection afterward when we sit on his lap and we cry out, Abba, Father, that's like the word... Um, It's better than daddy. It's more intimate than that even, not to make light of the word, but it's a very intimate closeness with the Father. When you're there, it's safe, and that's where you need to be. Well, I just want to offer to you this morning this word, and I pray that it's the word that God had for us today. As you think about it, and you go back, and I hope you read these words, think about what it means to do God where you exist today in your your circle of people that you're surrounded by that you have influence on what does it look like to do good works that the that the unrighteous that the pagan could observe and glorify god in the day of visitation that's the game the whole game is that we would establish the kingdom of god on earth as it is in heaven i pray that you hear the word and and are confident in it and bold to witness it to others today father in the name of jesus we come before you now and we we offer up the word that was spoken, I pray it's the word you had for us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you sink it deep into our hearts and root it in us, give us confidence and boldness for the day to come, Lord. Lord, I pray you bring to mind those that are lost that we need to witness to. I pray you bring to mind those that are suffering and loneliness and sorrow and in um, sickness. Lord, I pray that you would... You would bring us into their path, that we could give them the word, the very word of life, and that they could be brought to you and they could be restored. Thank you for your goodness to us and your long suffering towards us, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning and great is thy faithfulness. Thank you for all the good and perfect gifts that you brought to us. Thank you for the weather. Thank you for the, just all of creation that proclaims your glory. And Father, these that are here today, Lord, if there be one that does not know you, that today would be the day of their salvation. They will not leave without seeking your face while I can still be found. And when they come, Lord, we'll give you all the honor and glory and praise due to your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have time for you to come and pray if you'd like to, and I'll wait for you. We also have a meal after church. We're having the Dirty Water Dogs, I think, which is uh, Vinnie Von Vinnie's favorite meal. And uh, so I, pr- I pray you can stay and eat with us. We have plenty, and I pray you break bread with us, and that we talk about good and godly things while we eat together. All right? Come back tonight at 6 o'clock, and we'll see old Lanine in action. He's a good, good servant of God, and he's he's a good man. He'll bring us a good word. All right?